Good to be with you. That was the okay one. I guess we're kind of awake this morning. You can turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be there in just a minute as we continue on in our series here talking about a cross-shaped life. But uh, I want to just welcome you this morning, whether you join us here in person or online or TV or radio, however it is that you're worshiping with us, we're glad that you're here. On your way in, uh, hopefully you received one of these or you've gotten one over the last few weeks. If you didn't this morning, on your way out, there's some by the doors that you can grab and take with you. These are just simply small crosses that are meant to remind us throughout our week. And we've been talking about this each week. These are meant to remind us of all that Jesus has done for us at the cross and how we can live in light of all that he's done. So as we talk about this series of a cross-shaped life, we've talked about two weeks ago, we just kind of laid the groundwork of what it meant to understand what the gospel is and what God has done for us through the gospel. Last week, we talked about the first characteristic of a cross-shaped life being faithful and that we are to emulate Christ's faithfulness. He was faithful in life. He was faithful in death. He was faithful in all the things that the Father had asked him to do. So if you missed that and you're trying to stay with us in our series, go back. You can watch it, listen to it, and jump back in with us. Today, we're going to talk about being sacrificial. What does that mean? That's a little bit of a scary word. Uh, we start talking about sacrifice and being sacrificial. I think there's probably part of each of us that kind of all of a sudden, as soon as you hear that word, thinks, whoop. I might uh, want to opt out of this one. Uh, I don't want to necessarily want to lay things down or sacrifice things for anything. But when we walk our way through what it means to live a sacrificial life, one of the things that we need to be able to look at is as Jesus walked to the cross, as he headed to the cross throughout his entire life, and even in those last few days of trial and persecution and then pain and death, sacrifice is what is happening in order for us to be drawn near to the Father. See, without sacrifice, we will have a hard time understanding all that Jesus went through in order to make us new and make us have the opportunity to have a relationship with God, both now and for eternity. So it is important that we take some time and we focus upon what it looks like to live sacrificial lives. And we're going to do that this morning. I pray that this week has been shaped by God's truth for you. And that's something that we've been mentioning each week. God's truth is the thing that should shape all of who we are and what we do. And there's so many other voices in our world that want to push in or overwhelm us. But God's truth is the thing that we can step back and rely on. We know that he is our rock and our fortress. And in the midst of that, we talked about two key truths the last few weeks. And we're going to talk about them again today. The first one is this. What is the gospel and we've chosen four distinct movements to define the gospel in. Jesus' miraculous life, his, his miraculous birth, his sinless life, his saving death, and his victorious resurrection. And the reason that we keep repeating those is so that we can, as the people of God, understand not only what they are and what God has done for us through Christ, but also how we can then communicate that to others. The best news that's ever been brought to the world it definitely should be repeated. We need to understand when we are in our life situations and in our relationships, what does it look like for us to tell people what Jesus has done for them? He was born miraculously. He lived sinlessly. He died to bring us salvation and he rose again victoriously. 
If you have a hard time describing what God has done for you, just start there with those four. First, and I would encourage you before you start trying to relay that to others, make sure that you've allowed it to really sink into your heart first. Are you amazed by what God has done for you through Jesus? No, that was a question. Are you amazed at what God has done for you through Jesus? Okay, that's a little better, okay? What God has done through his son for us at the cross and the empty tomb is the best thing you will ever hear. It is something that should change all of what you know, all of what you look at, how you relate to others, how you even see yourself should be seen in light of what God has done for you through Jesus. So as we think about those four truths of the gospel, Jesus' miraculous birth, his sinless life, his saving death, and his victorious resurrection, we then want to start to speak truth to ourselves. And the statement we've been using in this series is this, as we understand what God has done for us, these two things are simultaneously true in light of the gospel. I am more broken and sinful than I would ever believe. And I am more loved and accepted than I could ever imagine. At the same time, we'll never really fully understand how broken we are. And I, I used to, at times I would think, no, I think I've kind of figured out how broken I was. And then I just kind of lived another year and figured out, no, figured it out a little more. That's not necessarily how we were thinking this would go, but that's okay for right now, okay? So we are simultaneously more broken than we ever would believe and more loved than we could ever imagine. Those two truths should weigh on us. They should also give us hope in life. Last week, we talked about faithfulness. It's a key component to the cross-shaped life. It was key to Jesus' life. It's key to us emulating his life and living like him. Today, we're going to talk about a cross-shaped life being sacrificial. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. That's where we're going to start out. So turn there with me in your Bible, whether you're here in person you can pull your Bible out if you're at home. Pull that out as well. Be following along with us. We're going to read verses 5 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2, and then we're going to just pull it apart a little bit as we talk about sacrifice is a life of worship. A life of sacrifice is a life of worship. Jesus shows us this as he obeys the Father's will and sacrifices his own desires to carry out what the Father has asked him to do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen? As we walk our way through figuring out what it looked like for Jesus to sacrifice for the good of us and for the obedience to the Father, that's a question we need to keep asking ourselves. And we'll wrap up when we're done today by asking ourselves that very question. What is it that God is asking you to sacrifice? 
for the good of others and for the glory of the Father. As we think about our lives being shaped by the gospel, sacrifice is something that is woven all through it. Jesus sacrificed his position for the sake of obedience. As you look at these verses in Philippians chapter 2, it says in verse 5, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. In verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus set aside his position in order to exemplify and show us what obedience looks like. Maybe God's asking that of your heart today. Is position more important than obedience to you? Is protecting your position more important than obedience? This could have all kinds of ramifications. It can have, I think, specifically ramifications in places where we work. Where your job can sometimes kind of encringe upon you living out exactly what God's called you to do. But we need to be able to trust the Father, just like Jesus trusted the Father. Knowing that in order to obey, sometimes position is going to go away. But earthly position never outweighs heavenly glory. And if we can keep that in mind, we will be willing to obey even at the cost of position. Jesus did that as he came down from heaven, set aside his position, and his position will be greater than any position you and I will ever hold. And he laid that aside for obedience to the Father and the good of the world. So Jesus sacrificed his position for the sake of obedience. He also sacrificed his pride for the sake of humility. Verse 8, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If there was ever anyone that didn't need to be humble, it was Jesus. But Jesus did humble himself. He humbled himself so that we would see what it looks like to humble ourselves and live for all that God has called us to be. Jesus sacrificed his pride for the sake of humility. And then it says in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And this is the interesting thing that happens when you obey God. I've often heard people relate that Jesus gives us a picture of the upside-down kingdom right? It's all different than what we know. And here's one of the tweaks I want to consistently have us consider. Jesus' kingdom, his world is not upside down. His is right side up. Ours is upside down. Ours is the one that's been turned. It's been flipped over by sin. If you go back to Genesis 1, Jesus didn't create the world the way that we know it now. God created the world in a perfect form, in a right side up faction. We, through sin, have flipped it. So God's world and his reality is not the one that's upside down, it's ours. His is right side up, the way that it is meant to be. See, when we think about humility and pride, there's this interesting transaction that happens in God's economy. When we humble ourselves, he exalts us in the right time. Just like Jesus humbled himself, even to the cross, and God exalts him forever at the right hand in heaven. 
it doesn't totally add up for us, right? If you take some time in the world around us and say, hey, what's the quickest way to the top? Humility is probably not going to be the first thing on the list. But that is the opposite of what God tells us. He says humility is the way to go directly forward, directly upward in God's kingdom. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. And that's something that probably all of us can take the rest of our lives to wrap our head around how that actually functions. Jesus sacrificed his pride for the sake of humility and the good of the world. And Jesus sacrificed in the end his life for the sake of all of us. Jesus sacrificed his life, not only his position, not only his pride, but his life so that you and I could know the Father. See, worship is obedience. And obedience is worship. And we can take our time and start to look at what that means and how that gets played out in our lives. In order to do that, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. As we talk about sacrifice and what it looks like to be sacrificial in our lives, Romans chapter 12 is a great spot to go and look. Spend our time here. We're going to read verses just one and two. We'll take the rest of our time together pulling some truths out from Romans chapter 12, one and two. The word says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God asks us here through his servant Paul, as Paul writes to people he deeply cares about, to consider themselves as living sacrifices. And I love those two words being put together for this reason primarily. Previous to Jesus, all sacrifices were dead. Previous to Jesus, that's how sacrifice worked. If you sacrificed a lamb or a goat, or a bull, or a turtle dove, or anything else, it was dead. Even if you were bringing a grain offering, you had to cut it and bring it, and it was dead. All sacrifices before Jesus came to the altar dead. Jesus goes to the cross and dies, but then rises again. See, without the resurrection, this statement in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, makes no sense whatsoever. A living sacrifice, that doesn't actually work. Without the filter of understanding that Jesus went to the cross and then rose out of the tomb to show us it's not just what God's called you to, to die for him. He's also called you to live for him. To live for him now, today, tonight, tomorrow, the day after that, the week after that, the month after that. He's called us to be living sacrifices. To come to the altar willingly. There's four main kind of word emphasis here that I want to pull apart. And, and honestly, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 uh, could be a multitude of sermons. We could spend our time preaching on this for a little while, but we're just going to take a little bit today 
as we pull out these four main word emphasis. The first one is our bodies. So if you're following along or taking notes, write that one down, our bodies. The second word emphasis is living, which we just talked a little bit about, but we'll continue to pull apart. The third one is holy. And the fourth word emphasis is acceptable. Our bodies, living, holy, and acceptable. These four key words are the ones that teach us about what sacrifice looks like. Why does God inspire Paul to talk first about our bodies being a living sacrifice? Verse one says, I appeal to you, therefore. It's interesting here, Paul, he doesn't, Paul says lots of times, he'll just say, I command you, I tell you, I implore you. Here he says, I appeal to you. This phrase is one where Paul has physically, personally walked through what it means to be a living sacrifice. I've talked with a lot of people over the years, and, and one of the things that uh, kind of comes out when, when uh, particularly probably younger guys, but people are going into ministry, and I hear people talk about maybe church planting or wanting to be a pastor, and they start talking about, man, I want to be like Paul. And I'm like, really? You want to get beat up? You want to get whipped? You want to get stoned, left for dead? You want to get shipwrecked? You want to sign up for that part, or you want to sign up for the part where everybody remembers your name? See, the interesting part is like Jesus, Paul exemplified a life of humility. When God changed his life, he gave up himself in humility and Christ, through the Father, Christ exalts him. See, we remember Paul's name, but Paul had a rough life. He did not simply walk into stardom. He is remembered because the suffering he lived is recorded for us, and the truth of God is what gets preserved. So before we start saying, yeah, I want to be like a main character in Scripture, take a look at what they went through and what they had to live in. Paul lived a life where when he says, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, he knew exactly what he was saying to them. And those who were hearing knew exactly what he meant. It meant you were going to put aside comfort. You were going to put aside position. You were going to put aside all the things that your flesh wants to aspire to in this life. And you're going to instead say, what has God called me to do? And how do I do it faithfully? And sacrifice those things that your flesh and your, your pride want to go after. God does care. And the reason that this first word emphasis is our bodies, God cares about what you do with your body. He cares. Or he would have just said, present your mind as a living sacrifice. Present your thoughts. Present your heart. No. He said, present your bodies. What we do with our physical beings shows the world around us what we believe about God. God has lots to say in his word and lots to say throughout history and throughout his story about what it means to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And no, he doesn't mean our physical looks. He doesn't mean our conditioning. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what we do day in and day out with the physical form that God has given us. 
How are you going to use your time and efforts as a human being? Tough question. The answer might be this. If you just took out a pad of paper and wrote down everything that you actually physically did this week, would it be honoring to the Lord? Would it show that what he has asked you to do is more important than what you want to do? Are you willing to set aside and sacrifice so that God can be glorified and others can be drawn to him? He says, present your bodies, therefore, as a living sacrifice. God cares, our second word emphasis, about living. He cares about your living sacrifice. He wants you to be who he's asked you and called you and empowered you through the Holy Spirit to be. One of, I think, one of the most debilitating things with spiritual growth is this. Sometimes people see salvation as an opportunity to hunker down and wait for eternity. That's not what God intended for you to do. He has saved you, yes, for eternal salvation, but he has saved you for current living now. It's not enough to hunker down and wait to go to heaven. What we really want to be able to do is tell others, watch how I live, like Paul did. Look at what God's done in my life and changed me. Without Jesus, my life would look totally different. So our physical living needs to look like our heavenly reality. Third word, holy. God cares that our bodily living is set apart. Holy for him. That's all that word means, holy. It means set apart. It means holy other. It means completely different. The challenge here is present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. If somebody peeled back the layers of the things that you use to protect others' view of you and actually looked at your life, would it be set apart to God? Would it be what we would define as holy living? The fourth word emphasis here is acceptable. And acceptable is a tough thing because honestly, in and of ourselves, nothing we ever do is going to be acceptable to God. It's going to be tainted by sin. But because of the cross and the resurrection, we then can be acceptable to God. Have you ever paused just to think about that or actually acknowledged the phrase we used at the beginning and we've talked about for the last few weeks, I'm more broken and sinful than I would ever believe and I am more loved and accepted than I could ever imagine. See, God's love and acceptance doesn't mean as much if you think you could have got there on your own. If you really think that I just need to work a little bit harder, I just need to get a few things cleaned up in my life, that lessens God's love and acceptance of us. But when we fully know, hey, I'm more sinful than I'm actually even going to admit to you. But I'm more loved and accepted than I could ever believe. That allows us to understand this statement in Romans chapter 12 that says, we're to live as acceptable to God. That doesn't mean working harder to be accepted. It means you live because you've been accepted. You live differently because God accepted you in your broken state. And in my broken state, he welcomes us in because of Jesus. Then you can live an acceptable life. 
This morning, as we think about the gospel, as we've considered what it means to live a cross-shaped life, one of the most important things that you can ask yourself this morning is, do I understand my acceptance to the Father? Because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, do I understand it? Now, if you have not placed your faith in Christ, the question this morning is why would you not want to be as loved and accepted and acknowledge that as God has declared you to be? If you have accepted Christ and you've been made new in him, the question is why would you not want to live in light of that, in everything you do to allow your life to be shaped by the, ca- the cross of Christ. The great cost at which he has purchased your freedom from sin should then shape all that we do so that when we come to Christ, we can say, I need to present myself, my body, all of who I am, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Acceptable because of what God has done, not because of what I've done, but sacrificial because I've laid it down. I've chosen to live differently because of what God has done for me. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then this other phrase, which is your spiritual worship. We talk about worship. We talk about a worship gathering. We talk about this being the worship center of our church. We talk about living lives of worship. What does that really mean? Does it mean just singing? Does it mean just coming and sitting and listening? Does it mean finding a way to serve and be part of the church family and help others? Well, it does mean those things, but it doesn't mean any of those individually. Worship is a complete act of knowing that God is bigger than you and I. And he's bigger than your desires. He's bigger than your position. He's bigger than your fallacies. He's bigger than your brokenness. He's bigger than your sin. He's bigger than your sorrow. He's bigger than your depression. He's bigger than your joy and your exuberance for certain things. God is bigger than you and I. And deserves our worship. What does it mean to worship as Christians? It means to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. If you want to manifest the life of Christ, if you want to live a cross-shaped life, you have to imitate the death and resurrection of Christ. Death to sin, resurrection in him. You don't just get the life that God's called you to without understanding that it's come at a cost. Humble submission that Jesus shows us, selfless service that Christ shows us, sacrificial love that God shows us all throughout history and even today. Today we celebrate communion together as a church family. And as we celebrate communion, we are celebrating a specific event in human history. Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf. As we come towards Easter, and we've got lots of things as we walk through the next few weeks, and we get to Palm Sunday, and we'll celebrate all the events of Passion Week and Holy Week as we walk that through. And then we get to Resurrection Sunday after we've gone through Good Friday. 
But that's not the only week of the year. That's not a singular event that we get to celebrate sometime in April, and it moves all the time, and I'm not sure why, but it's around different times. But one of the healthy things about it moving in our calendar is this. That should be what we celebrate every day. Every morning when you get up, you need to put something in your face, something that actually physically reminds you, live today for the cross and the resurrection. Live today as a holy, living sacrifice, acceptable to God. Do something, because here's, you have to do something to remind yourself. Here's why. Because just like scripture tells us, we are like men and women who look in a mirror and turn away and forget completely what we look like. You ever do that? I had to do that this morning. I remember, I, I'm getting dressed, you get ready, you get all set, you walk away, and, and you ever have this happen? You? Maybe I'm the only one, or I'm the only one that's actually admitting it right now. But you walk away and you think to yourself, wait a minute, was that okay? And you go back. And they're like, no, I'm all right, okay. Does that really match? Because when you put something on, you're not really looking at it. You look in the mirror, you're really looking at it. Isn't it am I okay? That's what we do every day spiritually. If we don't put things in our path to remind us of why we live. Be intentional. Be sacrificial. What might God be calling you to sacrifice? And I don't know what that is for you. But what is he talking to you and speaking to you about this morning? What is he calling you to lay down, to set aside, to sacrifice in order to love him more deeply and help others see him more clearly? What is it that he needs you to do? Sometimes we battle and fight him on those things. We don't let go very easily. But if we remind ourselves of all that God has done for us through Christ, then whatever we're holding on to so tightly seems a little less important than what he's done for us and called us to. As we celebrate communion, we remember the ultimate act of sacrifice that Jesus faithfully walked into on our behalf. We're going to sing a song in a minute. and It's a rendition of It Is Well With My Soul. And as we sing it, I would ask you to consider this. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what comes this next week, no matter what has distracted you or pulled your attention away, or what has hit you or given you difficulty, if you know Christ, you can confidently say, it is well. It's well with my soul. Might not be well with my circumstances. Might not be well with my reputation in the eyes of others. Might not be well with my own personal comfort, but it is well with my soul. It's well with my soul because of what God has done for us through Jesus. So this next time as we observe communion is a time for those that have followed Jesus in faith to remember his death and resurrection, his new life that he has brought to us. If you're here this morning, whether you're here in person or you're here online or listening or gathering with us in different ways, and you've not experienced the new life that comes in Christ, this is your time to consider that deeply. Nothing magical or mystical happens up here as we observe 
and remember what God has done. This is simply a physical act to remind us of his body broken and his blood spilled. If that means nothing to you, or if you don't choose to believe that that is earth-shattering and changing, we'd ask this morning that you stop and just pause and consider what we've seen in God's word and what we've heard from God's word this morning. I pray that the truth of what God has done for you will confidently, clearly, and boldly allow you to approach the throne of grace. Confessing your sin, whatever it is that you need, and remembering once again that Jesus has made a way for each and every one of us. It's our prayer that you would choose that this morning, whether you choose that for the first time or you choose it again and live in it every day. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask that your hearts, you take a second and just kind of let them calm and pause. As I pray, Worship team is going to come back up and lead us in some music. And as we get into this song, don't just move on from what God's word has shown us this morning. Allow it to kind of sink and set in for you. As we come to the Lord's table and we observe communion, it's okay to be broken by all that he's done and then be overjoyed by all that he's done. Let's ask the Lord to help us do that this morning. 